Welcome back to season two of the On My Heart podcast. My name is Scarlett, and I am so excited to be back this season to hear the good news about the amazing redemption, lessons, and grace that the Lord has done in His people's lives. My hope is that by hearing these testimonies, your heart is encouraged and ultimately pointed to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are back with another episode today, and I'm honored to have Robert Kale here to share his testimony. I actually heard Robert Kale's story at church camp last year, which probably a lot of y'all are thinking like, wow, a lot of these are coming from that camp, but they are so good. And I remember hearing his story and being moved to tears, just at the Lord's um, loving pursuit of his people in spite of us. And the reason is because he's committed to us. And I remember just just hearing this story and being reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness. And so, yeah, thank you here. Thank you for being here to share your testimony, Robert. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Glad to be here and help. Yeah, thank you. I will say, I know some of you have that are listening that know me and know Robert, you've heard this story before. And, um, but the lessons from this story are just so valuable and worth hearing again. And so many places in the Bible, it talks about calling to mind the things that you've heard and remembering the goodness of God, mm. remembering what he's done. And that's what I want to do today. And if you are new here, I hope that this touches your heart and it just teaches you about God's mighty work specifically in Robert's life. So with that being said, Robert, what is your testimony? Oh, put me on the spot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people they'll say stuff, you know, why, why do you share your story? Why do you, why do you rehash the hurt, the pain, the, 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 the grief, whatever? And I think there's, there's a few reasons. So I think, you know, not in any particular order, but I think, you know, I, I always want to share my story because I want people to see that there's hope yeah. and that there's hope in a, in a place, in a way outside of themselves. And I want to share my story um, because somebody out there listening one day, might hear it and they might be in a similar situation yeah. and so it might be able to help them pursue that hope yeah and then but most of all i, I want to tell my story because man the bible tells us to proclaim the excellencies yeah. of christ that he brought us from darkness and into light and so i i just want to do that there's there's only one hero of my story it's gonna it's gonna go from okay to really bad to even worse to really good um <clears throat> but all of that happens because of Jesus Christ. And yeah. so I always want to put that up front too, yeah. that just in case I stumble with words or I misspeak uh, a sentence here or there uh, in the excitement of telling the story or whatever, it's not me. It never was me. It yeah. never will be me. Um, it's always been Christ. Yeah. And so uh, I don't want anyone to think that Robert saved himself, got himself out of any holes or anything like that. Um, and so with that said, I'll, I'll just get started. Um, my story kind of starts when I was young. I was eight or nine years old. My parents divorced, and uh, through that divorce, my dad was still in the military. And my mom, uh, you know, had labored to be a, a single mom for a long time while my dad was deployed and stuff. And so she left. Um, and so me and my brother and sister with my dad, who was in the Navy, it's hard to raise kids when you're active duty military and... Um, you know, a single parent. And so uh, we ended up going to to some foster parents. And uh, the situation with the foster parents was was weird because we knew these people, uh, but we didn't know them super deep and personal. Um, And so upon arriving there, um, you know, real heavy handed physical abuse for me Mm -hmm. and my brother and my sister. Um, And it was, it was immense at times. I, I remember being told, shortly after getting there uh, with an orange and black track and, and she said 
if you say this prayer and accept Jesus, then we'll stop, we'll stop hitting you. We'll stop mm. beating on you. And so of course, as a young kid, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, you're thinking, wow, you know, I, I'll do it. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to go through this anymore. My brother and sister thought the same thing. Um, and that wasn't the case. Um, and so that was kind of our first, my first introduction to who Jesus is, what Jesus is, any kind of Bible verse, any kind of yeah. church environment. And so it was predicated on a, a negative aspect and unfulfilled promises. And so to me, that plays out for a really long time in my life of not being angry at God, but not feeling like I could trust God, not mm. feeling like that God is love or God cares or that Jesus really did do what people say he did on the yeah. cross. And so as I was going through my childhood, you know, the beatings were plentiful for sure. Um, I remember at times even just being uh, beaten to the point of like just passing out and then coming mm. to and still being beaten. And, um, you know, just things like getting your mouth washed out with soap with grit in it and then busting your gums open. And then they would put hot sauce mm. on the toothbrush and continue to do that so that the hot sauce would get into the gums that were ripped open from the gritty soap, like mm. that lava soap. And just, you know, things that kids shouldn't have to go through. And I didn't understand why at the time. And so the only thing I knew to do was to just turn to something and someone who would ease that pain. And so I had a really good friend. He was in a similar situation as mine. And so we started drinking alcohol at a really young age. At about the age of 14, we were smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol. Yeah. Um, and then I was also at the same time had this heavy burden that I placed on myself, this unrealistic uh, expectation for myself was to try to protect my brother and sister, yeah. and, which was an uh, ultimate fail, you know, because mm. we're all still in the mess. There's no right. way out. There's no help. Eventually, we tell people that are close to us. We tell our, our biological parents. We tell our, um, our people at this church that we were going to when I was growing up. And everybody kind of turned a blind eye to it. Everybody mm. kind of just shrugged it off. Nobody really believed that it was as bad as what we were telling them. Um, which was unfortunate because then we lost, you know, we lost a lot of hope and faith in, in the people that were supposed to care for us right. too. And so then we really felt, me and my brother and my sister, we really just kind of felt like we were alone and there was really no way out. And so um, I just kind of continued to drink and, 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 and do what I needed to do to try to, to, to survive. And I don't mean survive by like, you know, they were going to kill me, but just kind of survive what was going on in my, in, in my right. situation and in my environment. And then, another, uh, you know, so I remember at a younger, at a young age too, you know, I, I remember that me and my buddy were coming home from school one day and there was a, uh, like a, like a U-Haul truck. And in that U-Haul truck, they had the back door open. The police had it all roped off and whatnot. And, uh, they, there were, um, people that had came over across from Mexico. I lived real close to Mexico. So I'm, I'm from South, uh, Southern California. And uh, there were there were people in there, and some of them were getting out, and some of them were just staying in there, and they were laying there, and so th mm. that, they were dead. Mm. And so I just remember seeing that, and I remember me and my friend talking about it that death doesn't look like what it looks like on TV, that it's mm. a lot more serious. Yeah, I mean nobody, it wasn't like gory or anything, but like just seeing dead thing, a dead person, um, it really it really resonated with me, and I just thought like, man, it was so final, it was so like this is going to sound silly, but so lifeless, right? Yeah. Like just so immense to me as, as a young person. And so as time went on, um, you know, the abuse was, was still going. I was still drinking. I'm still smoking. I'm still kind of just running around doing my own thing. 
uh, brother and sister doing their own thing. And, you know, we're all just kind of trying to make it. And then uh, when I was about 16, uh, I was at high school. I saw Marine on campus and I saw him in his uniform and I thought, man, I bet nobody beats that guy mm-hmm. up. Like I bet he, I bet he just demands respect and gets it just cause he's mm-hmm. so tough and cool. And so I approached him. I talked to him about joining the Marine Corps. He asked me how old I was. I told him I was 16. Well, you have to be 18 to go in or 17 with your parents' permission, um, so on and so forth. And so he didn't want to talk to me about it because I was too young. So I told him, well, I'll be back. And he said, no, you won't. You won't, you won't come back. You mm-hmm. won't, you're too weak. You won't do it. So that really fueled my fire of, oh, I'm going to be a Marine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and I'd wanted to be a Marine since a young age anyways, um, seeing my dad in the military and just, you know, knowing I didn't want to be in the Navy and uh, just really had a fascination with the Marine Corps. Yeah. So um, I ended up graduating high school um, and, and and through that whole time, just kind of, you know, really living that worldly life, you know, having, um, you know, sex outside of marriage and just drinking and experimenting with drugs and the way I spoke, the way, I, I mean, everything I did screamed, you know, if, if you don't believe in total depravity, you know, go, <laughs> go look at some of the ways uh, some of these kids are living their lives and the way I was living my life and the way other humans are living their lives. And so um, I graduated high school. I joined the Marine Corps, which was a really cool thing for me. I really felt like I was going to make something of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was at boot camp, uh, I found out that my girlfriend, who would later be my wife, was pregnant. Uh, with our son and so um you know that helped me in some ways to grow up in that moment right Right. like okay this is real like there is no way out now like boot camp is it right so i'm I'm gonna i'm I'm in it to win it right you gotta get through it yeah get through it right like there you can't quit you got a kid and so um boot camp uh was easy for me not because i'm tough and it didn't have an effect on me but because nobody hit me Mm. at boot camp nobody Wow. Nobody was just, you know, so degrading to me, even though in their own way they tore me down to nothing and built me back up to what the military wants you to be. It was a whole different experience for me. It was hard physically and it was hard mentally, but not not like at my childhood. And so mm. I really felt like this was it. I found a place. I had a brotherhood. I had this um, this new family. Right. And we loved each other no matter right. what. And so um, graduated boot camp, got married you know, move, move across the United States or where I went to school in North Carolina, came back to California for my first duty station. And I just immersed myself into the Marine life. And, and by that, I mean, I just, I really bought into what, what it stood for. So I worked hard. I, I, I was by no means the greatest Marine ever. I just worked hard. I wanted to be as much as I could be. I wanted to get promoted as far as I could get promoted. I knew at a young age, after probably two or three years in, that I wanted to stay in for a really long time. And so I just immersed myself. And when I got to the Marine Corps, it was cool because if you, if to be a good Marine, all you had to do is move fast, work out, have a nice uniform, <laughs> have a good haircut, and, 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 and then lo and behold, drink. Mm. And so I thought, man, this is the place for Robert. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I check continue. these boxes off the list. <laughs> yeah, man, all of them, except, you know, I mean, I might not have been the fastest guy for sure, but you know, <laughs> I, I definitely could hold my own. And, and so I, I just started to really immerse myself in there. And when I say that part about immersing, I mean that it became an idol very mm. quickly. And I know that now I, I w- if you would have asked me that when I was first doing it, I would have just told you, no, I'm trying to work hard. I'm trying to do my job. And so then um, 
as as time went on in the Marine Corps, I re-enlisted. I went overseas uh, to Okinawa. I brought my family. At this time, I, I'm fully bought into the Marine Corps. I, I'm I'm putting everything I have into it, to the point that I'm neglecting my family. Um, I'm not I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good dad. I have three kids uh, mm-hmm. at this point now, um, uh, and you know m- my first marriage fell apart because um, you know I wasn't a good communicator. I wasn't effective at navigating how to be a parent and a marine and a husband i could be good at one of those things for a little while but ultimately in my mind and this isn't true but in my mind i was only going to ever be good at being a marine so Mm -hmm. that's what i put all my focus into Mm -hmm. i didn't even really attempt to try to do the other things as much as i i should have and i know that now and so uh, my first wife uh she went back to the united states i stayed in japan and then i started to deploy and as I started to deploy, doing Iraq and Afghanistan and stuff, you know, I have multiple tours. I don't have to go into a lot of detail about that. Everybody hopefully has a good understanding of what happens in war. But you go there, you see things, you do things, you lose friends, you see mm-hmm. people get hurt. You get, I got hurt. Um, and mm-hmm. those things affect you. Yeah. And so some of the highlights from those things that really stood out to me was, you know, that really, ch- and it really changed my life is, um, you know, losing Marines, especially Marines that you cared for and looked after and, you know, trained up with or trained to go to war with you as their leader, um, that, that took its toll on me. And so coming home from the first two or three deployments, I just, I knew I wasn't the same Yeah. and I, and people started to notice it, but I masked it with drinking. I masked it with a smile on my face. I masked it with the motivation of always wanting to go back and do more and just deploy, deploy, employ, and, and, and wow. look like this great person, this great Marine with all these things that I was doing when ultimately inside I was dying. Mm. And so in 2005, um, a friend of mine committed suicide in front of me mm. and he shot himself in the head. Mm. Um, And so that was hard. That was super, super hard to go through. And I just remember, I I tell everybody, that's when the lights went out. That's, Mm. I I feel like that's when the lights went out. And that was when my world really went dark. And so I really had a lack of understanding or caring or trust in any kind of God or any kind of religious system. Yeah, Yeah, anything. Yeah, Yeah. except for the military. The military Mm. was good to me. Um, I got remarried to my second wife. Uh, we had another child. So I have four kids at this time. I'm still deploying, still seeing and doing things that aren't great and, and are hard to do. Not sleeping great. I'm still drinking more. I'm st- being angry. I'm just, you know, standoffish, isolating, not asking for help because, again, not because the military put it in my head, but I put in my own head that. Oh, I don't want to be weak and ask for help. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to think less of me. Yeah. I was more worried about, I want them to want me to be a part of the platoon or the, right. or the company so we could go on deployment. And so um, it, just, it just keeps stacking up. So in 2011, while I was on deployment, my, my great friend Jason Rogers was killed. Mm. Um, and that one really struck a blow to me because he not only was he my friend, but he was a really good friend. He was a guy that I would ask advice from, even though he was younger than me. And um, he just—he was just a guy that everybody loved. Yeah. He was infectious. He was happy. He was 
a leader. He cared about everybody. And so when he died, I just, and, 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 and I wasn't there when he died, but I was in country. And so I felt guilty. Um, mm. I felt bad because he was younger than I was and I had experienced life and he hadn't, he had just gotten married and now he has a widow and his mom and mm. just all these kind of things that are just difficult to think about. Yeah. And so, um, you know, instead of using that to get help and to, you know, to tap out, so to speak, and not tap out because I was a quitter, but just tap out by means of, man, I need help. I need to, I need to talk to somebody. I need, yeah. I need something other than self-medicating and all these other things that I was doing. And so, um, I, I, I wrote myself a blank check of, I, I'm going to go back to Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever they want me to go as many times as I can. And I, and I want to get some kind of justice for these Marines that I'm losing and the Marines that are getting hurt and, um, for these parents and these wives and this, that, and the other thing. And so, um, I ended up deploying a couple more times, um, ended up being in, in, in a few, uh, ID blasts, uh, in, in November of 2013, wow. I was hurt, uh, was knocked unconscious during an IED blast and, and then, you know, had a traumatic brain injury and, and worked through that as far as taking some time off while I was in country and then going back and deploying some more, or I mean, you know, doing stuff on deployment some more. Came home in 2014 and all through this time, you know, I'm, this is kind of the speed version, but all through this time, I, I'm not a good dad to my four kids. Mm. I drink a lot. I'm angry with them when it's not their fault. I'm pushing them away and, and things are not good on the home front. And so uh, during my last deployment, I remember just sitting in, in my can by myself, my living quarters by myself and just thinking, I have nothing to live for. I have nothing to show for. I have nothing wow. to contribute to this to this earth whatsoever. And so yeah. uh, I remember I, I would take my nine mil and I would put around in the chamber and I would press it against my temple, mm. press it under my chin, put it in my mouth. But I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. Cause I'd seen my friend do it. I had seen what suicide had done, uh, through other friends that I had lost to suicide as well. And I also didn't want my kids to know I went out like that. I kind of wanted to go out either in combat or some other way. And so I just, what it, what it came down to is it wasn't my time. The Lord had a different plan. Yeah. I know that now. And then also to me, it's just scary thinking about yeah. doing that, to be honest yeah. with you. And so, um, but I really did in my mind, just want to die. I didn't mm. want to live through any of this grief anymore. Right. And ultimately, man, I wanted an escape from the brokenness that I had caused in my family, mm. uh, because I didn't know that there was a way to mend that. Yeah. So I went home, I'm drinking more than ever. Um, it's to the point where my unit notices. And so now I'm off to this place uh, that, you know, the Marines send you when you're hurt and stuff to go get fixed up, get mental health, get physical health and do all these therapies, this, that, and the other thing. My kids are upset with me. Uh, even to one point, you know, I told us at the testimony camp that I have my oldest daughter, one Father's Day, wrote me a letter and it said, Dear Dad, you would be a better dad if you if you would have never joined the Marine Corps because all you do is scream and yell. And mm -hmm. then it said, I hate you, Taylor. Mm -hmm. And you think that would wake a guy up and help yeah. him realize, man, I got to do better about my kids. But it didn't. It just, mm -hmm. it just made me realize, yeah, I'm never going to be able to make this right. So mm -hmm. now I'm just going to have to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So... 
uh, while I'm at this Wounded Warrior Battalion, one of the things that they wanted you to work on was spiritual things. And so for me, spiritual things, I guess, kind of always included God, but it was more or less the fact that I believe in God. Yeah. But I don't really, I don't want to follow God. I don't want to worship God. Right. I just I just know there is God. Right. And so, um, and, and, you know, even too, like Afghanistan was probably the, one of the worst places I've ever been. And that's what I used to tell my Marines when we would talk about God over there. I'd be like, I didn't. I believe in God, guys, but I just don't think God is here in mm. Afghanistan. And, mm. and of course, we all agree. Like, it was just, it was horrible over yeah. there. So we just, in our minds, you know, we th- that there is no there is no God in Afghanistan anyways. And so um, I signed up to go to this program um, in the midst of me drinking, having suicidal plans to execute mm. this at this point now. I'm ready to I'm ready to do this but you know again the Marine Corps as much as it kind of was this thing that I put my whole life into um, you know they it really kind of came to my rescue because you know they told me hey look if you don't do something outside of just being mean and nasty and you know disrespectful and all these other things while we're trying to help you if you don't go to this then you're gonna you risk losing your benefits you right. risk losing and I, I didn't want to do that so I went to this program. I even showed up there drunk thinking maybe they'll just send me home um, so that I can say that I went, but then they sent me home, yeah. whatever. Well, I didn't know that Christians really do care about people. <laughs> and so they were like, we don't care that you're drunk. You can stay here with us. And so I did. And I just remember throughout the whole week that, man, I used to feel like I was the only one going through these issues, mm. which is so asinine to think yeah. that in my head. So if there are veterans out there listening you're not the only one yeah. like every one of us has been in a similar situation as all of us find ourselves in and i think satan wants one. us to think that he wants to isolate us he wants to us to think like you're the only one that's going through this yeah. nobody else can understand you know yeah absolutely and so but i remember hearing all these testimonies of all these veterans at this program that does biblical counseling and gives a biblical perspective on what's going on in your in your mind in your body and in your heart hmm. Um, and I was just like, I'm not the only one. I'm not alone. There's so many stories like mine. I mean, yeah. guys, almost the same story as me, yeah. even with childhood abuse and the yeah. whole thing. Lots of us have alcohol problems. Lots of the guys had other yeah. problems and things that we could all talk about and share. And, and I remember on a Wednesday night, uh, the, the his name's Jeremy. He's executive director. He was he was teaching a class on legacy. And he was just telling us about what legacy is and how if legacy is a box of things that were left behind and people opened that box when you were gone, would they want what was inside? Mm, And I knew nobody would want what was inside Mm. of my box, especially not my children. And at that point, I'm not married. I have four children. That's kind of where my mind was going. And I I know now the Lord started softening my heart. And as he's softening my heart and this guy's really talking about legacy and how a legacy isn't determined by what happens in the past. A legacy is about how you react to what happened in the past and how you move forward. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, all this trauma that I had been through, it's not, it doesn't have to be what defines me. Yeah. And that spoke volumes to me. Yeah. Well, then this guy, yeah. I remember thinking in my head, because he had a story too. Yeah. He, he's not exempt just because he's, you know, some smart guy with a degree who can, you know, run a program and this, that, and the other thing. And so I remember him talking about his story but then I remember telling myself man this dude is so happy and so joyful and Mm. so 
different than all of us guys that are here looking at him talking right now. And I remember saying, if I could have 10 seconds of the peace that he has, wow. I would never let it go. Like I would hold on to it for all that it's worth it. Even if it killed me to hold on to it for 10 yeah. seconds, if I could just have peace for 10 seconds, wow. I would take it. And the guy proceeded to just share the gospel about how we live in a fallen world that God created the earth to be perfect, but when man sinned, it ruined that perfectness and it entered into brokenness and how there was, at that point, everybody was going to be a sinner and that the wages of sin were death from yeah. Romans 6.23 and, and then that we had all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I just remember thinking, yeah, that's me. That's me all day. And I remember him saying, and, and, and in our brokenness, Christ died for our sins while yeah. we were still sinners. Yeah. And I remember thinking, why would somebody die for me while I'm still a hot mess, while I'm just a big turd, you yeah. know? And so he just, he just proceeded to share the gospel and how Christ could restore what was broken and that it was only through Christ that we would have rest and restoration and, um, reconciliation with loved ones yeah and i said i i in my mind i can't remember saying okay i, I want jesus i just remember in in my mind and listening to this man as he prayed for us i was halfway praying because i'm new to this and i don't really know what's going on and i'm surrendering to christ yeah because i can't anymore i'd come to I call it Matthew 5, 3, you know, syndrome where you're just spiritually broken. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I was spiritually bankrupt. I finally had realized I cannot help myself with my job, with the drinking, with anything that I was doing. It wasn't going to work. I was never going to be able to save myself that if I had any chance of being saved, it was going to be with this Jesus. I was going to surrender to him and I was going to attempt to live my life for him. Yeah. And so I remember that night going and going to sleep and, you know, th through some of the things I've been through and stuff, sleep had, had evaded me for a while, a long time, you know, years Yeah. where I would get two, three hours here, mm. you know, maybe four or five hours tops, but like usually wow. two or three. And I remember I slept like eight hours Wow. and it was just because I felt so much lifted off of me, almost like I could physically feel it, but I knew it was more like a mental and a spiritual hope that connected to the emotions of, I don't have to hold all this weight. Cause wow. when I surrendered to Christ, if Christ took it all on, Christ has to have it or I'm not going to make it. Yeah. He has to take the burden or Robert buckles under the pressure. Yeah. And so, um, I went home and I told my kids shortly after I said, Hey, I became a Christian. Things are going to be different. And I only said it to him one time. And I wanted to just show them through action that right. that's how it was going to happen. Yeah. And I failed. I, I was sober for 100 days, and then I went back to drinking, and that was mm. a, a thing that took another two or three months of me getting back off getting of alcohol. That, yeah. And then now I've been so – I don't count days anymore on purpose because of that, but it's been over six years. Yeah. Um, and just really working through what, is it, what does it mean to be a Christian? What do yeah. I have to do? And, and again, so when I left there, they told me there's four things. Yeah. Be in the word, be in prayer, 
be in accountability and, and be uh, at church. And so that's what I did. I, I went to a men's uh, like Bible study with other veterans and things that were connected to this program that I went to. I was reading my Bible as much as possible. I was praying as often as I could, and, and I was attending church. Yeah. And through those four things, I, I met some great people. I had some great men in my life. The Lord provided me all the things, like it talks about in, in, in I think it's Second Peter 1, where it talks about all the things for godliness and holiness. Yeah. He gave me everything, and uh, I just started to eat it up as much as I could. And, and when I fell, I didn't feel that overwhelming pressure of, oh, man, this is it. This is, you know... I learned quickly that as a Christian, failure isn't fatal. Mm. Like you can bounce wow. back. You can move forward. You don't have to be stuck in, okay, today I messed up and I yeah. didn't read my Bible or I cussed or I fill in the blank, whatever yeah. sin, that you can keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, wow. Had good. some really good guys around me. Started working at Mighty Oaks as a, as a team leader, which just basically means I was kind of a peer counselor. Um, and then I was a a, a team leader trainer and then I went back right after I retired and they they put me in an internship position and then the Lord blessed me through Mighty Oaks to be hired on as an aftercare manager and got challenged to think about biblical counseling and yeah. the Lord brought all that together and so I, I'll pause right there real quick before I forget the big part two years after um, about two years after I was a Christian um, I, I remember I went to go to see all four of my kids and I sat all four of them down one at a time, which is hard to do when you have four kids without them telling yeah. each other what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to keep the secrets and Spoiler stuff. Alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. And so I asked each one of them to forgive me wow. for just being a drunk and a deadbeat and, um, you know, angry and just letting them down and not having a heart for them when I should have. And man, the Lord blessed me through my kids as an example of forgiveness because all of them without hesitation we forgive you you're our dad we love you yeah and so Beautiful. the lord really has restored my relationship with my kids and again that's not anything i did right, right. reading my bible and going to church and saying some prayers and things like that those are good things right but those things in and of themselves without God in it yeah. brings nothing about except for me just having some new good habits, right? Yeah. And so the power of God, the power of Christ and the cross and the Holy Spirit working in my life and in my kids' life is what heals all of yeah. that damage. Um, and so uh, I'm happily married now. I have been for five years. My wife, Emily, she's great. I met her um, right after I retired as well and, and desired to have a Christian marriage. And so the Lord again blessed me with a Christian marriage, yeah. um, and, and my relationship with my kids. And, um, I just want to say, and speaking about that, like, I can't really, you know, and some, in some of these cases when I'm asking people to share their testimony and I'm thinking like, you know, wait, why, why am I, I don't, I'm not worthy to really be sitting here. I, I can't, like, I can't relate to him. I don't know what he's gone through. Like, how is he going to be able to, you know, speak to me and minister to me when I haven't gone through those things? Like, I'm thankful. I'm thankful I haven't gone through some of the horrible things that he went through. But what I can relate to is the gospel that he so beautifully shared. I remember that, um, just that part a minute ago when you were talking about when you went to the, um, at the Mighty Oaks mm -hmm. and talking about how, just breaking down the gospel of sin entering the world. And, 
um, the, and then what, and what that affects that has on us. And then Jesus Christ coming to die for sinners while we were sinning. I can relate to that. Yeah. And every single one of us can relate to that. Yeah. And that is what is so beautiful. That's what keeps me coming back for these testimonies is the gospel living and active in people's lives. And that's what I can relate to. And that's why I want to keep coming back to hear this story again and again. There's a song that says, tell me the story of Jesus right on my heart, every word. And that is what, that is why I love to hear these testimonies. And I did just want to say uh, some of the, a couple of the highlights, I always take highlights from the story is I love what you said, because I wrote this down beforehand. Um, the four B's, be in the word, be in prayer, be in accountability and be in the church. Those are so important. But like you said, those are just good habits without the Holy Spirit being at work in your life. You can't yeah. just, okay, I'm going to do this, but like, yeah, wh what are you doing it for? Like, what is your motivation? What is your yeah. heart posture towards the Lord when you're doing these things? These things are good. And I, I definitely talk about these things every time we have a, especially the accountability one. I talk about that pretty much every single um, testimony asked that always comes up the accountability. So I always talk about that, but this without Christ is just a good habit. You need to seek the Lord first in that. Um, and I did just want to point that out. And a couple other things that you said is just what happens to you does not define you. And and then I, I always kind of ask a second question, like, why? What does that mean? You know, what is what is the follow up to that question? And um, Jesus Christ is what defines us and him. And you're talking about that peace and there is no other peace. But in Jesus, there's a temporary peace that we yeah. could feel after we maybe have a quote unquote self-care day. Oh, this is so peaceful. You know, that that's going to last. Okay. One day, like there is no other lasting peace, but in Jesus. And I love this verse out of Psalm, um, 16 verse 11 in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures that last forever. That doesn't mean that every single day is going to be like, Oh wow, I'm having the best day ever, yeah, but there's yeah. lasting joy. There's lasting peace in his presence. I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was so, so beautiful. And then, um, kind of about the accountability. I wrote this, I jotted this down while, while you're talking, um, just how you kind of had, you, you, uh, fed yourself this mindset that it's, it's weak to ask for help. It's not good to ask for help. You yeah. know, you're like, I, I can do this on my own, or maybe I can't do it on my own, but I'll just bear myself in drinking or drugs or whatever, whatever right. case for anybody listening that you might be, um, bearing yourself in, but it is okay and good to ask for help. And then yeah, you also said that, um, like we were saying, you didn't want to be weak, but I guess in that you're like, you're thinking, Oh, I'm Marine. I'm this, or, or for me, I've always thought sometimes like, even though this doesn't like the, the physical doesn't, you know, equal the spiritual in this sense, I always thought, okay, if I'm working out, if I'm, if I'm running, if I'm doing all these things, like that's been kind of the thing in my life that, that means I'm strong when I'm not doing that, you know, that has nothing to do with it we are not as strong as we think we are no matter what yeah. we do if it's working out or if it's being a marine we are not yeah. as strong as we think we are well that's the beauty of the yeah. gospel too is you can think you're so strong because you work out because yeah. of your job because fill in the blank but yeah. the lord will humble you yeah. to show you you are not yeah. strong and i think that's that's part of the gospel that i think sometimes people overlook it i'm not saying they forget about it but we just overlook it is God has to bring you to an end of yourself. Yeah. Right? Like you said, the poor in spirit, like you quoted earlier. Yeah. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. Yeah. yeah. Spiritually bankrupt, where you just know, I have nothing. Yeah. I have nothing that can save myself. I come before the Lord with, 
humility and I just I need him and only yeah him. like I'm you ready. said earlier it's not it's not about us it's yeah. about the yeah. Lord and it's him that is the hero of our story mm. not ourselves and so yeah and there's also a verse in Proverbs I was just thinking about before honor before knowing the Lord before all these things is humility and I think that is that that is centered around the gospels the humility and then just thinking about okay we're not we're not as strong as we think we are we are weak um but he is strong in our weakness. And I know mm-hmm. we've all heard that verse one million times, you know, especially if you've been in church your whole life, like <laughs> yeah. me, like, oh yeah, that's the the one, the grace is sufficient verse. Like we all hear that, but like, I need that every single day, every single second, every single moment in my weakness, he mm-hmm. is my strength. And that doesn't mean uh, sometimes when I get in that mindset before I've been like, okay, good. Like he's strong for me. Like I can just be lazy. But Paul says, I labored more abundantly than they all, not me, but Christ in me. So our weakness doesn't give us an excuse for laziness, but we know that Christ is our strength. And so that really gives us more fuel to work hard for his kingdom, knowing that it's not about us, but about him. And I did just want to add that in there. Um, But those are kind of my highlights from the story. And I, I was, when I was telling him about the second question, sometimes I always ask, or been for the se- second season, I've been asking the legacy question, like, what would be the legacy for your life? And some people are like, wait, what does that mean? And I'm like, okay, motto or theme, you know, but he knew exactly what I was talking about. And he kind of unpacked that a little bit when that, um, that preacher was talking yeah. about the legacies. And that's exactly what I mean by that. Just like yeah. when, you know, if a box could be left after your life to say the things that, you know, defined you you know and we talked about christ defining us but what would that be so that's my question what was what is the legacy or what would you want the legacy for your life to be if if i think if if i was gone and my kids were to open a box and and see things in there and my wife and and people that know me and love me i would want them to see a, a an example of the grace of god that brought somebody out of just a bad situation and blessed him with salvation yeah and that they would see that I was faithful in in handling that meaning that I I did as much as I could with that gift yeah um in, in the way that I lived acted spoke um I want my kids to know and see that um that it's okay to fall down, yeah. you know, and that you can get back up. Yeah. And that the Lord is there. Yeah. He will never leave you. He's always by your side. He will always, always be there. Even when you just, you can't see or feel or even yeah. think that he might be there. And so for, for them to know that, you know, failure isn't fatal. You can get back up. You can, you can keep trying. And then just see that I love God. I love my wife. I love my kids. Yeah. I love my church. Um, and then in the box, I just, I hope they find my scriptures yeah. beaten and torn up, yeah. you know, just because they were used so much. I remember yeah. I was dating my wife and that was one of the things that really attracted to me, to her the most was her Bible was just tattered, yeah. highlighted and pinned and yeah. cover falling apart. And, and, and it wasn't because she didn't take care of it. It's because she used, used it, it that much. That much. Yeah. And I just knew, okay, this is a, this is a woman who loves the Lord and who, is reading his word. And so I want my kids yeah. to see that. I want my kids to see Christ through me yeah. by my actions as I live to make much of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that's my legacy, to be honest with yeah. you. And I hope that, um, you know, other people who need help 
listen to stories like this from not just me, but so many others yeah. that are worse and even more horrific um, that they can see the hand of God. Yeah, that's in so someone's good. life. And then I tell people like you all the time that say like, oh, I don't know, because I, I was raised in the church. I don't have that kind of a testimony. Yeah, but you have a testimony that says this is what life looks like when you're faithful to God all the way through. Mm -hmm. And so that's a testimony to people who haven't had yeah. that. And so there's a testimony for everybody. Everybody has a story. Yeah, everybody has suffering. Everybody has pain and anguish. Um, it just comes in different sizes and shapes and packages. Yeah. And so I, I just tell everybody, tell your story because everybody needs to hear. Yeah. When I was in darkness, this is what my life looked yeah. like. And now I'm in the light and this is what this it is what like. it looks like. Yeah. yeah. That's so mm -hmm. good. I love that. Again, I feel like, um, even in, you know, you're not exactly reading word for word, the gospel, but like that is the gospel that, um, we are in darkness and the yeah. light has come. And I, and then I loved that you're talking about, that that Jesus oh, that the Lord you know the Lord being always near and I was just thinking there's so many attributes of Jesus to think on and um, that give you so much hope and peace but I was just thinking about when you were saying that Jesus being your friend through all of that right there you know and I just I love that and um, for my third question I um, I just wanted to know what I know there's so many but yeah. what are some verse or verses that are your favorite right now or have been kind of throughout the last several years for you. Yeah, right now, I, a couple years back, I can't remember how long ago, but it was a couple years ago, I read a book by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life. And I read Galatians 6.14 in that book, and it just, I mean, it punched me in the face. It was just one of those verses at that time in my life, I needed to hear it, and I needed to marinate on it. And, and, and I'm so horrible at memorizing verses, <laughs> but here, here's what it says. It says, but may net be... Sorry, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And I just, that that's, if I had a life first, that would be it. I don't yeah. ever want to brag about me. Right. And, I, and again, I say that and it, and it sounds so like everyone's like, oh yes, that's the same answer yeah. every Christian gives. Yeah. But I really don't because right. it's not me. It's right. Jesus Christ. And the only reason why the world is dead to me and, and all those things of the world are dead to me is because Christ yeah. stepped in and saved me. Right. And so I, I want that's I just want that to be my to, to be my verse. I don't ever want to brag about me and, and what I could or couldn't do or anything like that. It's just it's all about Christ. And and when I think about that book and don't waste your life and that was kind of the one of the main points he drove home was, you know, living for Christ, living to glorify God, living to make much of Jesus. Yeah. And so I think that that that's just one of the verses that really stood out to me. Yeah. And then uh, this matter of fact, this past Sunday, uh, Lewis preached on it at our church. Uh, but first Corinthians 10, 13. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, as a biblical counselor, I use this verse a lot, but is one of the verses that really stood out to me while I was at Mighty Oaks in my suffering, in my, in my pain and in my sin. Um, uh, this, it just says this first Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation is overtaking mm, you, yeah. but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with your temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Yeah. And I remember thinking a lot of things through that. It's just like, man, 
everybody has a problem. Everybody has issues. Everybody has sin. Everybody has grief. Everybody yeah. has these things. We've all sinned against people. People have sinned against us. Um, life isn't pretty. And, and the way we react to that is real. Yeah. And so we can either react to it in a good way or a bad way. Typically, when we react in a bad way, we forget the part of this verse that says, but God is faithful. Yeah, but God is faithful, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and man, sometimes, and, and this is what Brother Lewis said this weekend, and I really loved it. He said, providing you the way of escape doesn't mean you're going to avoid it altogether, but the way of escape is going through it with him. Yeah. You mentioned joy and peace. I talked about joy and peace as he was sharing the gospel with me when I was at Mighty Oaks. Here's the thing. We aren't promised this great and super awesome life with rainbows and butterflies yeah. and money and cars and houses and yeah. all of those things. So if you're listening to this and that's what you think the gospel is, please find a new church. Mm -hmm. Please Google Bible preaching churches in my area. Yeah. Please look for reformed churches in my area yeah. because that's not the gospel. The yeah. gospel is Jesus saved us from yeah. our sins but because of sin, the world has fallen and the world is even groaning and waiting for him to return. And we are going to have problems. But he tells his disciples in John 16, 33, have joy because I've overcome the world. Yeah. So the peace and the joy is there for us in the struggle. Yeah. So not yeah. around the struggle, not, not, around, not yeah. avoiding it. No, no, no. Through the struggle, in the struggle, Christ is there walking it out with you and He's not asking you to do anything anything that he's not going to empower yeah. you to do. Yeah. We aren't on our own. Yeah. We need only to turn to the cross and yeah. and again, you know, the, the beatitudes and those things we talked about, you know, being poor in spirit. That's a that's a that's not just a one and done. That's not just salvation. That's a every day. Yeah. You got to live those things out every day as a Christian realizing, okay, I can't do this on my own. I need Lord's grace today yeah, what today. he's got for me today. I love that. I remember being a being a little kid and people you know hearing either by preaching or reading it like wait there's gonna be all this trouble and suffering like what <laughs> like i thought we were just to have this you know great yeah. abundant life with the lord and yeah. what's happening and i just remember kind of being like i'm just gonna ignore that verse right now like that doesn't give me happy feelings you know and kind of ignore that but that you're right like that is not that's to to say that oh everything is going to be great 100 percent of the time is not reality because we live in a sin cursed world yeah because we live in a sin cursed world but i love what you're saying but the faithfulness of god but god i remember actually brother lewis and um daddy whenever we went to ripley um gonna going through a series of but god look at these verses yes sin darkness you're yeah. talking about you know the beatings of the child yeah. the horrible things you went through drinking but god like there's yeah, always amen. that i love i just love that little phrase and they always kind of put that to in mind these things are happening this horrible you know maybe against you or you've done it yourself but god there's hope in the gospel and yeah, i just i that love word, that but is my favorite word in the bible <laughs> and, and it just because yeah. it leads to but christ the transition but god, yeah but this yeah and, and, and it's always something that we couldn't do for ourselves that yeah. we have to look at it and say, yeah, but God, but God saved, but yeah. God brought us from darkness yeah. into light, but Christ died while we were still sinners. Yeah. And it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. And then just talking about the brokenness, mm -hmm. um, in the, in the world and thinking about that. And then we say, Oh, the, but God, but there's, yes, there's, there's the hope for today. There's a hope for tomorrow. But then there's also, it talks about, I think it's in Isaiah 35. It talks about, 
um, you know, the brokenness in the world compared to the glory that's to come and the deaf hearing and the blind mm-hmm. seeing and the, the lame walking and there will be great joy and gladness there. So there is that hope for today and there is a glorious hope for tomorrow. Yeah. I just love that thing about the thing about the brokenness. I'm like, okay, yes, d- there's the brokenness, but God, we are doing this for a season and what is to come will be everlasting. And I just, I just love thinking about that. But yeah. I, in closing, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. I really am amazed at the miracle in your life, but not only in your life, in my life, of God taking sinners like you and me mm-hmm. and is in the process of making us look more like Jesus. And That's sometimes right. this is through pain and yeah. trials. But I love, there's a verse from Job that I have quoted. It's been my one of my ver- favorite verses for a really long time now. And it's, but I know he, this is God speaking. I know the way you take. But when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Mm. I just love that. And that is what he is in the process of making us coming forth as gold. Mm. And I also did just want to say that sometimes when I'm picking these stories, kind of like what you're talking about, like, okay, not every single person has gone through something horrible. Like, I want some people to relate. Like, how many should I do of the horrible, you know, just like thinking through things and you're like, okay, is this going to be relatable? Are people going to think that I'm doing this just to blast okay breaking news look what robert did like okay come listen to this you know that's sure. not what this is about but i did just want to say that um the reason while we're talking about this not to exalt sin but the reason i have for the, so many burdens for these stories is because there is so much sin in the world like you're talking yeah. about jesus told us there is going to be trials there's going to be suffering and the reason that these stories and lessons are so important is to help us and comfort us and prepare us for our own journey yeah. that in the time to come, look, you may be going through something really hard, but God is right there. Look at the gospel. You know, that's the reason that I want to tell, like, I want these stories to be told is because not that, oh, come look at this, the worst sin, you know, that's not what it is at all. It's about that there is sin and there's hope in God, no matter what you're going through. And yeah, I just... That's kind of my, that's kind of the reason why I want some of these stories to be told and that the fact that Jesus is our advocate, that when we sin, mm-hmm. we have him and he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. And like you said, the failure is not fatal yeah. because of Jesus, not because of anything that we do, but because of Jesus. And I, I was telling him before, kind of like what I, every time I get somebody on here, I always tell them the same thing. I always say um, that any testimony is a good testimony if it brags on Jesus. And from the get-go, yeah, from when yeah. we started, he was saying, this is not me. This Jesus is the hero That's right. of my story. That's yeah. what you said. And I want that to be said of me. Like, it's not about me. It's about Jesus being the hero of our story. Yeah. And I, I'm just so, I don't know, there's just so much hope and there's so much peace in Christ. And because he is committed to his people, like you talked about all these different things, you even thought, okay, if I show up drunk, they're not going to, They're going to turn me away, but he is committed to us. And the reason why this commitment is never going to be broken is because it's sealed with his own blood. That's how committed he is to us. So that's the gospel. And I just want to say all glory to him. And I hope that you're all filled with this hope in Jesus today and are blessed by the life and lessons in Robert's life. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to today's story. In season two, our goal is to tell 10 stories of life change. My challenge for you is to take these lessons and share it with someone who needs the good hope that is only found in our Savior. To connect with us further, you can find us on Instagram at On My Heart Podcast. I am so happy to hear from each of you. As always, I hope and pray that this is a blessing to all of us and glorifies our great God.